It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Tuesday. I'm your host, James Rapine, on Twitter. At Locked On Bengals, at James Rapine for a complete breakdown of all 11 picks. Check out LockedOnBengals.com where every single podcast is posted. You can figure out the 2018 impact meter for every Bengals pick, courtesy of Russ Heltman. That, so much more on the website right now. And if you missed yesterday's podcast with Joe Goodberry, well, first off, what the hell are you doing? Second off, it was really comprehensive, really in-depth. We talked for 49 minutes, I think is as long as the podcast was, talking all things Bengals draft. We recapped all 11 picks. And uh, if you're new to this podcast, it's simple. What we do... I'm James Rapine. I work for ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW in Cincinnati, and we give you an in-depth look at the Cincinnati Bengals every single weekday here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. If you'd like to subscribe, you can absolutely do that basically everywhere from Spotify to Google Play to Stitcher to iTunes, whatever you're thinking, iHeartRadio app, wherever you want to get and listen to the Bengals, you could probably do a player FM, tune in. I mean, there's all sorts of ways to listen to the Locked On Bengals podcast. And like I said, every single one posted at LockedOnBengals.com. I have a special treat for you today because I caught up with Dave Lapham, oh, about an hour ago. And I talked to him about all things Bengals draft. I talked to him about John Ross. I even asked him about Baker Mayfield. And you're probably wondering why I asked him about Baker Mayfield. But I think that the, the landscape of the division could change if Baker Mayfield has success. We'll have plenty of time to reflect on that. Uh, plenty of time to reflect on that. Plenty of time to discuss that in the current state of the AFC North. But without further ado, let's dive into my talk with Dave Lapham. Caught up with him, like I said earlier today on ESPN fifteen thirty, and I asked Lap because yesterday you heard me with Joe. I think it's a win now draft. I asked Lap if it was reasonable to assume that uh, a lot of these draft picks, especially the ones early on, day one, day two picks, will contribute early on in twenty eighteen. I think it is, James. I agree with you. You know, I think that uh, you look at uh, really even even to the with the fourth round pick, Mark Walton, the running back could be a Cedric Pierman type guy with respect to special teams because of his ability that he showed at Miami. You know, not just as a return guy, but he was a gunner covering punts. You know, covered kickoffs. Wants to do it. Likes to do it. Was MVP of the special teams. Very rarely does college football have you know star players playing special teams. And um, really, Darren Simmons has gotten a lot out of the running back position in terms of special teams, more so than other organizations have. And of course, the you know the five star guy is Cedric Pierman, having been a Pro Bowler. So I agree with you. I think Billy Price, Jesse Bates, Sam Hubbard, Malik Jefferson, Mark Walton, you know um, those five picks in the first four rounds, they'll all carve roles. They'll all roster for sure. You know, and they'll they'll carve a role of some uh, sort, some way, shape, or form. What that role will be, combined with you know sub packages and special teams, it'll be you know the, the snaps that they're capable of doing, and then they may be able to expand in their role. And some of these other guys, there may be as many as six to eight guys, I think, that could roster. Um, and then how big will the roles be? But the common denominator, James, when I look at a lot of these picks, is position versatility. 
Billy Price played center in both guards. Jesse Bates played free and strong safety, played in the slot corner. Sam Hubbard played everything. I mean, lacrosse in high school, he was a safety, <laughs> then a linebacker, then a defensive end, then moved inside to pass rush to defensive tackle. Malik Jefferson played inside and outside linebacker at Texas. They project he can play any one of the three linebacker spots. Mark Walton, with all of his special teams abilities, you know, as well as the running back, he's got hands like a receiver. They've used him in the slot as a receiver. Um, even Darius Phillips, you know, you, you go to the fifth round with his return ability, you know, as well as being a natural cover corner. This guy had 14 touchdowns in his career, two as a wide receiver, and he had six on defense and six as a return guy. Five punt returns and a kickoff return, five interceptions return, a fumble return. So, you know, he's he gives you position versatility. And I'm telling you, from experience, you know, it helps you stay around. It helps you create a, um, you know, some sort of a role. And it helps with your football IQ because you see the big picture. You know, you haven't been pigeonholed in one position and tunnel vision on the responsibilities of that position. When you're exposed to other positions, now you have to see the big picture, you know, and, and why, you know, Hubbard's the best example of it. He's played safety. He's played linebacker. He's played defensive end. So he knows why the defensive end's doing what he's doing in the run game because what the linebacker has to do and then the safety and in coverage, he knows what the you know the relationship between linebackers and guys on the back end because he's played all the positions. So these guys' football IQs are so high. Billy's is extremely high. Sam's is extremely high. You know, Malik um, had to play multiple um, styles of defense because of different defensive coordinators. You have to adjust to that. Some may not fit your skill set the best, but you have to do the best that you can within that schematic. Uh, the, the fifth round pick, the second fifth round pick, Andrew Brown, was stuck in a three four defense, playing defensive end and three four two gapping people. He's a defensive tackle that should be a one gap penetrator. And when he went to the senior bowl and he played that defensive tackle as one pat the one gap penetrator, they couldn't block him. So sometimes guys get stuck in situations that aren't the best, but they've learned from being there and exposed to all these different types of schematics and philosophies and, and their football IQ you know, uh, broadens. And then, and then you get in um, situational, uh, game situational awareness that sometimes coaches haven't covered everything. But because of all the experience that you've generated and gathered from all those positions and the exposure to the positions, you know, you react well. You know, even though you haven't necessarily been taught that week or this hasn't been covered by coaches, you trust your instincts because you've, uh, you've got a vast, more vast football knowledge and you can perform better. I, I, I think that's the theme of this draft is position versatility. Therefore, it's going to be easier for the players to make the team and easier for the coaches to find roles for those players because they've been exposed to so much. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals, 
and free dessert for life, homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Dave Lapham is our guest. And Lap, the thing I felt that I noticed on Thursday night when the Bengals picked Billy Price, I think a lot of fans felt like they had to settle for the second best center. Do you feel like, and is that the case, do you think the Bengals felt that way, that they were settling for Billy Price? I think I think that uh, the Bengals and a lot of people around the league had them 1-1A, but most people had Ragnar 1, in my opinion, and I did as well, you know, looking at it, um, looking at the tape. Not by much, though, you know, not by much. But people that think the Bengals could have waited till 46, I mean, I don't, I don't think that would have happened. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, you know, have said that they would have taken Billy Price if the Bengals didn't with Ragnall gone to Detroit. The Minnesota Vikings wanted Ragnall. He's a Minnesota native. And, you know, he, he, he went at 30. The Detroit Lions, uh, they weighed their center like, I don't know, three and a half weeks ago or whatever. So they had a needed center. They jumped on Ragnall. The Detroit Papers said that uh, the New England Patriots are trying to trade up ahead of Detroit to take Ragnall. So if Bill Belichick, Dante Skarnickia thought that much of Ragnow. That tells me that a lot of people that I did talk to in the league were probably right to have Ragnow maybe rated slightly ahead. But they all had Billy Price right there, you know. So to wait to 46, like people are saying, I think would have been foolhardy because James Daniels went before 46, mm-hmm. and I know Billy Price probably would have too. So now you get to 46, and it's like, damn. Didn't get any one of those three centers. Any one of those guys would have been really good for us. Like we talked about before, I wouldn't be shocked if three years down the road, James Daniels might be the best because the dude's got rare movement skills. He's just a little bit younger or less mature physically, you know, needs a little bit more time potentially. And the Bengals needed a plug-and-play day one guy. Those two guys were Ragnow and Price, and they were going to be happy with either of them. And they got a a hell of a player. I mean, everybody plays 55 games up at Ohio State and is a two-time captain. Uh, Not only is is a hell of a football player, but he checks all the intangibles boxes as well as we know. Lap, it's no secret the Bengals have been uneasy about the safety position. How do you envision them using 54th overall pick, the safety from Wake Forest, Jesse Bates? How do you think they're going to use him as a rookie? Well, I, th- I think he's going to be a special teams contributor, first and foremost. I think, you know, that's the other thing is Darren Simmons smiling because a lot of these guys, you know, translate to special teams. Um, don't be surprised to see Sam Hubbard, you know, having a special teams role. That's a big athletic dude. Look at all he's done. He had, Scholarships to Notre Dame for lacrosse and Ohio State for football. That's that's a rare breed. That's a that's a different uh, kind of athlete. Jefferson can run like a deer. Over two hundred, you know, almost two hundred forty pounds runs a four five. Mark Walton, we already talked about. Devontae Harris, Darius Phillips. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, have a lot of special teams guys, but I, I do think they're going to give this kid a chance to see what he can do at the safety position. I mean, they they made a run at Coleman before he signed with the with the Saints. Uh, you know, in the off season, they brought uh, Reed in, and uh, you know that didn't go great with the visit with Mike Brown. He hasn't gotten any visits since, by the way. So, you know, obviously they were looking uh, to get somebody that can turn the football over at the safety position, and and that's what this kid uh, Jesse Bates can do. His role changed from his junior to senior year. He was asked to run a different scheme. He was asked to play uh, more one on one in the slot coverage. You know, on receivers at the safety spot, and he proved he can do it. But his interceptions uh, went down. You know, he basically he um, converted from more of a center fielder to a different role on the back end. But this kid has got great instincts. Having played center field in baseball, he can track a ball. You know, he has he has tremendous instincts on where the ball is going to be. He's going to get there. 
and he's going to contest for it. And so I think they are going to, um, you know, take a good long look at him. Uh, it, Marvin Lewis never has differentiated, you know, linebacker. You're a linebacker. You can play anywhere safety. You're strong or free. You know, you have to, uh, in prior schemes, both safeties, they roll down the box and the other one back off, you know, so it's kind of interchangeable. But uh, the new regime seems to designate strong and free safety, and this guy may be more of a free safety type. But he's got tremendous instincts and can read things, communicates well. Uh, they're going to give him a chance because 14 takeaways last year, second fewest in the NFL. That's uh, you know that that's not going to that's not going to cut it. That's not what this coaching staff, this new defensive uh, coordinator and coaches are looking for for sure. Dave, as far as the Bengals' overall draft, and I think the one big complaint, gripe, concern—I would say concern—is probably the the best word to use. Uh, among the fan base is the fact that they went Billy Price in round one, short up the the center position. Obviously, they traded for Cordy Glenn, so they're not worried about the left side with him and Clint Bowling. But the right side of that line, I think fans were expecting for another offensive lineman to be drafted earlier than they did in round seven. Is that uh, is that fair to worry, to wonder if they did enough to, to give the offensive line, to give Andy Dalton the necessary protection he needs to have success like he did back in 2015 this upcoming season? Well, that's why I give them a you know B plus, maybe an A minus, because you know in the in the sweet spot of the draft, which was in my opinion rounds two through five, I thought that that's where you know you could make some hay in the draft. I think they did, I really do. But in a perfect world, uh, you know, my personal Christmas being a former offensive lineman uh, would if you could have gotten another you know another interior lineman or somebody to compete on the edge. Um, at, at one of those uh, spots, but they, they didn't want to reach. They didn't do it. They're, they're, the linemen that were there, and they didn't. Uh, they, were, they were much better players, and they stayed true to their board. Mark Walton was the highest guy in the fourth round by far. When they reordered, reshuffled their board, he jumped out. He was the guy by a good margin. Um, and they had, you know, they had um, fourth round grades on guys like uh, Devontae Harris, Andrew Brown, Darius Phillips. I mean, they had higher grades than those guys. But Mark Walton, even though he wasn't as big a need as, say, you know, corner and interior defensive line and offensive line, went with him. Because, you know, it's like you, you, you improve your football team that way. You can never have enough of the best football players. So the depth and special teams and everything else. But, it, you know, I, in a perfect world, I would have liked to have seen one. But Marvin addressed it after the draft. He said, you know, you just can't manufacture them. And there weren't as many good ones this year. So when the ones that they had targeted um, were taken, they didn't reach. They didn't, you know, go down 15 guys on their board to get an offensive lineman just for the sake of getting one. And it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I keep harping on Bobby Hart um, at right tackle, and Fisher is going to probably get the first look. But Bobby Hart, not last year. Giants, you know, were terrible. Everybody was year before in the playoffs. He played like a playoff tackle. He played well at right tackle. Um, Westerman, uh, Redman, watch those guys in the interior. I mean, they, they, they showed that they can play. And I think Frank Pollock likes those big physical, you know, move people against their will type guys. Westerman and Redman are that type. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be very competitive. It's going to be interesting. You know, if I'm an offensive lineman, um, might as well be in a new franchise because there's going to be a lot of new faces <laughs> in that room, a new line coach in that room. So you're starting from scratch. It doesn't mean a hill of beans what you've done prior. If uh, Frank Pollock doesn't like your tape and he doesn't like how you're adapting and responding to his new techniques, other guy's going to play if another guy's doing a better job with it. So 
wide open competition and they feel like they've got enough, uh, you know, enough bodies to do it. But I, I also will say that Rod Taylor, the kid they did take mm-hmm. in the seventh round, um, Bob Bicknell, the wide receiver coach, his brother, Jack Bicknell Jr., coached Rod Taylor at Ole Miss. And then Jack Bicknell Jr. was the, uh, the line coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers before Mike Munchak. So, you know, Bobby comes from Baylor. His brother was over there at Ole Miss. So his brother, you know, gave the tip about Rod Taylor and, there's a guy that was on a two-time state championship basketball team. He's got sweet feet. The guy can move his feet, 6'3", 320 pounds, long arms. He's got, uh, you know, over 34-inch uh, length to his arms. So, you know, who, who knows? You throw him in there at right guard. He played both tackle positions, right and left, and he played guard. So he's got position versatility. And, you know, I think he projects more as a guard. Maybe that guy really responds to Frank Pollock and may have found himself a diamond in the rough there in the Seventh round, crazier things have happened. You know, um, when I get drafted, there were 17 rounds. When uh, <laughs> Tim Crum, Ryan, Bob Trump get drafted in the 12th and 10th round, they wouldn't have been drafted in today's NFL. So, you know, you can cite example after example with every franchise. Seven rounds is not that many football players. They're still at the end of that draft in the seventh round in, in the college free agency. There's some, there's some good football players that uh, have shots at making it in the NFL. My takeaway from them not reaching for another tackle to address the right side or even a guard is they, one, believe in Frank Pollock, and they think he's going to be able to turn things around for the current guys. And, two, they probably still believe in Jake Fisher. Uh, and it, what, from the film you've watched, Lap, have you seen any signs from Jake uh, of being that player? P- people I've talked to haven't really seen that from Cedric Obwehi, and it sounds like that's why the Bengals address the left side. Have you seen any flashes of Jake Fisher that uh, could be encouraging moving forward? The thing that, uh, you know, Jake has had trouble with some is the same thing Cedric, uh, you know, has had is, is countering power moves, you know, bull rush things. But a lot of that has been the technique that, has, that was employed. You know, they give ground and catch is the best way to phrase it, in my opinion. It's not a very aggressive technique. You have to be a very strong-bodied behemoth type guy, like an immovable condo, you know, to be able to absorb those bull rush guys when they're taking three, four, five running start steps and collision you, um, you know, some, everybody's body doesn't meet that demand. So when you have athletic guys like Fisher and Obwehi, short set, jump them, attack them, stop them before they can get a start. Don't let them get that power going to bull rush you. You know, you're athletic enough to go ahead and, and stymie them initially and shuffle your feet, reset. Once the defensive lineman has to stop and restart, the ball's gone. But if you let him continue a running start, bull rush, or whatever, the pocket's collapsed. And um, I think he's going to do the same thing inside. There's not going to be as much retreat and catch. It's going to be, you know, solidify, get, uh, uh, separate, you know, allow the quarterback space. I, you know, let's talk about it's, it's important not only to give the quarterback time, give him space, give him a pocket. Centers and guards are responsible for the depth of the pocket. Tackles are responsible for the width of the pocket. Let the quarterback see. Don't put people in his face, have him throw out of a hole, or worse, don't get smoked and hit. Um, you know, firm the pocket up. The only way to capture line of scrimmage is to be aggressive. And I think there'll be more short sets. Guys will jump guys occasionally. In the running game, they'll be attacking the line of scrimmage instead of too many lateral steps uh, or drop steps in the running game. They're going to be, you know, moving forward, trying to attack it. So I do think the schematic will be different, and I think that it may fit. 
somebody more athletic like Fisher and Obwehi. They they're not the kind of guys that can just give ground and, and absorb bull rushes and stop them in their tracks. They have to go stagnate them. They have to go stymie them, separate, get back in position, make them restart, block them, falls out. And, and it's going to be, look totally different. Two more questions for Dave Lapham. Lap, I appreciate your time, as always. Let's talk about the pick that I loved last year that a lot of fans are down on, John Ross. How high, how low are the Bengals on him right now, and what should we expect from him in 2018? I think they're hoping to have the type of uh, response that William Jackson gave him. William Jackson's body betrayed him his rookie year. Uh, he got hurt in training camp and had to basically, you know, redshirt the season. Um, and, and John Ross's body was never right. And James, you were around him the whole year. I was stunned. The guy that we initially interviewed the first couple of weeks and the guy that was being interviewed as the season progressed, he wouldn't even look at you anymore. Yeah. I mean, he looked at the ground. He'd look away. I mean, he, he lost his confidence. You could see it in his body language. I mean, he, he was feeling the pressure of being a, you know, a top 10 pick in the draft and not being able to do uh, what you should be doing because his body was betraying him. You know, he, he had issues with uh, his shoulders, uh, had a procedure on one, had, had the same issue with the other, like a loose uh, joint there in the ball and socket joint of the shoulder. He got him addressed, tightened up. Um, I, you know, he, he'll, I think now that his body's healthy, hopefully he hasn't been uh, to the point where his confidence is totally shattered. I think Bobby Bicknell and Frank Pollock have to be uh, football, not only football coaches, but football psychologists, psychiatrists, to boost up Cedric Obwehi and John Ross's confidence. Those guys were some of the better players in, in their college classes coming out of the draft. They were first-round picks, and rightfully so, they earned it. And hadn't gone well in the NFL, and everybody's saying they, you know, they're busts. There's a lot of pressure with that, and it can really hurt your confidence. So, you know, I think coaches and uh, teammates are going to have to help pull them out of it because those guys, they put it on tape that they can play, uh, not at the NFL level yet, but hopefully, uh, you know, new coaches with a new, out, new outlook on it, fresh start, you know, might help both of those guys. Final question for you, Lap. What did you make of Baker Mayfield going first overall to Cleveland? I was not surprised, um, knowing Baker Mayfield a little bit, did some of the games when he was at Texas Tech and at Oklahoma in the spring game and got to know him a little bit. And, um, you know, he, he bet on himself twice, walked on at Texas Tech, gets the job. Uh, they open it back up. He doesn't like that. He always wanted to go to Oklahoma. He transfers all his courses on his own, knocks on Bob Stoops' door and says, I want to walk on to your football team. I've already transferred all my uh, credits to Oklahoma. And Stoops is shocked. He's like, fine. So, and then wins the job and wins the Heisman. So, there's a guy that uh, bet on himself twice and, and, and made a lot of money in so doing. And the one thing that stunned, didn't stun me, but I noticed right away was as I was walking around in spring football and talking to offensive and defensive players, even kickers, special teams guys, five-star recruits that are coming in, walk-ons that came into Oklahoma and everything in between, every single guy loved Baker Mayfield. So he's got one of those, you know, personalities that everybody rallies around, everybody gravitates toward. He's got the it factor. He's, he's definitely a leader. And I can see Hugh Jackson, you know, kind of one plus one is going to equal three in that regard up there. And I know the Bengals had him rated very high in their draft board, very high. They might have had him as the number one quarterback. I think they thought he wasn't going to slide any, any farther than number five to Denver. And if John Elway thinks that you're the guy, that's a pretty good endorsement. 
He throws it straight. Mm-hmm. The number one thing a quarterback has to do is is throw it accurately, throw it straight, and put it to spots that you can catch it. And he does that. The other part of it is they traded for Tyrod Taylor. The offense is going to run. Tyrod Taylor is going to have a lot have a lot of get the quarterback out of pocket, um, mobility, moving the launch point, all those kind of things. Baker Mayfield does the same thing. So you don't have to have two offenses. You don't have to have one for the veteran, one for the rookie. You can run install the same thing. Baker Mayfield can see how Tyrod Taylor, with his NFL experience, is running it. And then, you know, he may get his chance sooner than later to run it, depending on how he had adapts and advances with it. But the fact that they didn't have, want us to do a double scheme, like in, in Baltimore, they can't run the same offense for Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. They're going to have to have two offenses. And, you know, and maybe have packages for Lamar Jackson to maybe wean him into it. Not with Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor. You can run the exact same stuff. I think that's a big advantage as well. He's Dave Lapham. Lap, I appreciate you letting me, Mo, Lance, bug you so much during draft season. Before we know it, the season's going to be here, and we'll be bothering you again. Lap, as always, my man, thank you. No problem, James. I love guys who love the draft, who love football, and you're in that category, my man. Praise from Dave Lapham never gets old. I love it. He's good at like coming up with really descriptive adjectives and phrases that I would never ever in my life be able to creatively say and uh, he does it and then he says that and I get all blushy Uh, Dave Lapham really good stuff from him I probably won't be bothering him much in the upcoming weeks (laughs) I've bothered him a lot obviously you've heard him on the podcast multiple times but uh, we'll see we'll see I do like what he said about John Ross I do know this about Ross and I'm not going to go on this big Ross rant because you guys know I I have a um I believe in John Ross. I think he's going to have success, and I have a, I'm partial to him to a certain degree because I think he's good, and I think he's going to help the Bengals this year. But I know he was working with T.J. Hushmanzad, and he's gained some weight. So there you go. Gaining weight, that's good. I assume it's good weight. But uh, I think that will be good for the 2018 team. What did you think about the draft? And there's a poll question I put up. I will put this on LockedOnBengals.com. I know I retweeted it at James Erpine, at LockedOnBengals as well. Who would you rather have at quarterback for the next five years? And I ask Bengals fans this. And right now, it's the closest poll question ever with four options. 25% of you say Andy Dalton. 26% at this very moment say Baker Mayfield slash Tyrod Taylor. 25% say Lamar Jackson slash Joe Flacco. And 24% say Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph. It is so close, nail-bitingly close. Please vote at James Rapino on Twitter. And if you're looking for the easiest way to find it, it's on the top post at LockedOnBengals.com right now as you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get the music. I was about to get out of here. Without the music, you can't do that without Biggie. You can't say bye without Biggie. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back at it tomorrow. I'm on Twitter at James Erpine, at LockedOnBengals. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you want to listen to this podcast. Until tomorrow, I'm James Erpine. Again, thanks for listening to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.